0: going on, Sooner Nation? Man, there is a lot happening in the world tonight. As uh, we're recording this podcast right now, an airplane is circling around, getting ready to land in Norman, Oklahoma, with the new football coach of the University of Oklahoma. What a difference a week makes. Seven days ago, as we're recording this podcast on Sunday, December 5th, seven days ago, News is breaking that Lincoln Riley was leaving Norman to go to Southern California to become the next head coach at USC. Sooner Nation was crumbling and falling apart off of the heels of the Bedlam loss. And now you fast forward seven days and it's almost like it didn't even matter that the Big 12 championship game was played on Saturday without Oklahoma being a part of that. What matters is that Oklahoma has a new football coach right now. His name is Brent Venables. He's going to be very familiar to you. And most i would say 80% maybe even 85% of the feedback on this hire is positive 85% of the feedback is enthusiastic and enjoyable people are excited about this but there is there and there's always going to be this there's always going to be that one portion of the fan base and and you you name the team you name the program and there's always going to be that one portion of the fan base that doesn't like it there's that one portion of the fan base that doesn't like the hire and that's okay. Uh, my job, what I want to do tonight is in this podcast is not convince you to like the hire. I want to tell you why it was a good hire. I also want to tell you about, you know, disappointment in college football. Because I, I, I think a lot of what we feel, a lot of what we uh, sense, a lot of what we voice and in the era of social media, voicing your opinion has never, it's never become easier. It's, it's never been easier right now. To voice your dissatisfaction or your elation with something that's never been easier than it is right now. Like, for example, you don't like Lincoln Riley. I mean, Sooner Nation has turned on Lincoln Riley because Lincoln Riley turned on Sooner Nation. You can open up Twitter. You can tag Lincoln Riley and you can say, Lincoln Riley, I don't like you. You can say, Lee I'm disappointed in you. You can do the same thing with Brent Venables. Of course, he has a locked Twitter account, but you get what I'm saying. It's never been easier to vocalize your support or your dissatisfaction in something than what it is right now in this very moment. But here's what we got to understand about disappointment, particularly in the terms of college football. There's 130 FBS football teams. 130 FBS football teams. Do you know what that means? That means there's a lot of disappointment in the realm of college football. Five power conferences. That means only five conferences really, truly get to play for the national championship. Kudos to Cincinnati for breaking that mold. But Cincinnati is the first non-power five team to get into the final four and play for the college football championship. 65 power five teams vying for four spots. Yeah, you're disappointed as an Oklahoma fan for 10 and 2. I get it. I'm disappointed. I'm an Oklahoma fan for 10 and 2. But think about Oklahoma State for just a second. Did you not revel in Oklahoma State's disappointment on Saturday? Like they literally came up an inch shy of going to the college football playoff. They literally were an inch shy. Were you not reveling in that disappointment? This is a fan base that just a week ago was elated. They they won Bedlam. They they were the favorite to win Bedlam. They still stormed the field. Of course they did because they're Oklahoma State, right? Fast forward a week later and they get beat by a backup quarterback in the Baylor Bears. That's disappointment. And and let's not act like we don't revel in it. Look at my Twitter feed. Go to uh, Sports Heartland on Twitter and you can see I was reveling in disappointment a little bit there. For for some teams, disappointment comes early. Take Ohio State, for example. Ohio State loses the early matchup against against Oregon, right? Disappointment came early for them. For some teams, disappointment comes late. Look at Oklahoma State. The very last weekend of the season, championship weekend. Dreams are crushed. But when you have a hundred and thirty FBS teams. Only four of those teams get to play for a national championship. And typically it's of the, of the 65 power five conference teams. And only one's going to walk off the field with the trophy. That's a lot of disappointment. It's a lot of disappointment. But we as Oklahoma fans, man, we, we, we seem to sometimes feel like our disappointment is the greatest disappointment of all. As if our expectations are the greatest expectations of all. Should Oklahoma's expectations be higher than Oklahoma State's? Absolutely. Should Oklahoma State should Oklahoma's expectations be higher than Texas? Absolutely. I mean, Oklahoma is that program that year in and year out, championship is the expectation. But wh- wh- that's and that and that's that's spot on. That's where this program is. Even with Lincoln Riley going to L.A. and Brent Venables flying in from South Carolina, that expectation won't change. There is no bridge year for, for Brent Venables. Lincoln Riley lands in L.A. and they're like, dude, you, you have no team here. You have no fans. So there's a, there's a timeline. There's a time frame. There's a window for Lincoln Riley to get it right in L.A. If Lincoln Riley doesn't compete and win the Pac-12 championship next season, no one's going to be mad at him. This is a team that won 4 games in 2021. Just get them bowl eligible and and you're there. Bowl eligibility is is the floor for the University of Oklahoma. The expectation year in and year out is going to be championships. You play for a Big 12 championship, you play for a national championship. And, and Brent Venables is going to bring all that on his shoulders right now. As soon as he steps off that airplane, the very second his foot hits the ground on that runway in Norman, Oklahoma, the expectation on his shoulders is you compete for a Big 12 championship and you compete for a national championship. And then that pressure gets ramped up just in, your, in a little bit longer because it's going to be you compete for an SEC championship and then a national championship. But when you have those type of expectations, you know what comes with that is disappointment. And so it was kind of like a week of drowning in disappointment for Oklahoma fans. Because the Bedlam loss, which disappointing, took Oklahoma out of the Big 12 championship race. Disappointing. Subsequently, taking Oklahoma out of the college football playoff picture. Disappointing. And then less than 24 hours later, your coach is gone to Los Angeles. So it's kind of like it's one of those situations where, man, disappointment is, yeah, it's a part of college football, but this is just ridiculous. This is, this is just too much. And now you come back around seven days later, and Brent Venables is the answer to all of that disappointment. People aren't talking about, about Bedlam losses the truth is they really weren't talking about bedlam losses after Sunday when Lincoln Riley, when that news blew up, but they're not talking about that. They're, they're not talking about Alex Grinch and, and Roy Manning and all these other guys that are gone now. They're talking about Brent Venables. They're talking about reviving this program. They're talking about winning the national championship. They're talking about what this guy can do as a defensive mastermind, what he can do with these current players and what he can do as far as bringing players in. Brent Venables right now is the answer to all of the disappointment that Oklahoma fans at the Sooner nation has been living with for the last seven days. But you know what that does? That just puts more pressure on him. And I think he's the guy to handle that. I I think he's absolutely the guy to handle that. I think he understood that the the second he stepped on that airplane to come to Norman. I think he understood that the the very second he agreed to whatever the terms of the contract are with, with, with Joe Castiglione, he knows what he's getting into. And I don't think this is a situation where patience is going to be required. I think there was probably more patience required in, in this coaching search than what's going to be required with this team when it, when it takes the field next, next fall. I, I, don't, I don't think Oklahoma fans are going to have—they can't. Oklahoma cannot take a step back. This is a team that every year, they're a favorite to win the Big 12 and that there's no reason that can't be the same next year. I think Baylor is going to be a player in the Big 12 for time, for for a while. I think what we're seeing is 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 not a um, not a power change but a power shift in the Big 12. Oklahoma State thought that was their position. Oklahoma's leaving the Big 12 and now this is our conference wrong. It's Baylor's. Baylor Baylor made the biggest power move of 2021. There's going to be a vacuum when Oklahoma leaves and bolts to the SEC, I believe 23 is probably most likely when that happens. There's a chance it's 24, but I, I believe it's 23 is when we're going to see that happen. And Baylor, Baylor's the team. They stepped up and they said, you know what, this is our conference now. They kind of beat Oklahoma. King of the king Remember the King of the Hill game you played as a kid where you climbed the hill, you knocked the kid down, now you're King of the Hill. It's kind of what Baylor's doing. I think Baylor's going to be a player next year. I think as long as Dave Aranda is, is around, as long as he's a part of that program, he's going to have something to say in, in determining the Big 12 championship. But Oklahoma's going to be right there with them. As long as Oklahoma's in this conference, they're going to be in the conversation. And all of that is because they went with Brent Venables. And that Brent Venables wasn't just the right hire he was, the, I mean, he was the perfect hire. He, he was the guy that fit. He's the guy that was needed. And, and I said this last week in the podcast is that I, I initially when Lincoln Riley was leaving, I wasn't really on board with Brent Venables. Because I thought there was I, I thought Lincoln Riley going to, to USC was going to be very similar to what happened with Brian Kelly going to from Notre Dame to LSU. Kelly sends back to his Notre Dame staff uh, and says, Hey guys, who's coming with me? And they were all like, you know what? We're, we're good. (laughs) We like it here in South Bend. I thought that would be the situation with Lincoln Riley, but it wasn't. And when you see these guys walk out the door with Lincoln Riley, then Brent Venables becomes the guy because you've lost your offensive coordinator. You've lost your passing game coordinator. You've lost your defensive coordinator. And you gotta, you gotta have a guy who has experience. You you've got to have a guy who, um, who who knows how to game manage. You got to have a guy who knows the the big game atmosphere. And and all of that's right there in Brent Venables. So we're gonna jump into that as we move forward in the Sooner Nation podcast. I'm Matt Hofeld, your host, and we're we're really kind of jumping in with you guys here because I, I, I sent out earlier in in the morning. You know, it broke late Saturday night that Brent Venables was going to be the guy. I sent out early Sunday morning. Hey, give me your thoughts. Hit me up in the form of a true or false question. And we have a ton of questions from you guys that we're going to go through. And they're they're great talking points. They're great discussion points. Typically, we limit that to like five in a podcast. But because of the situation here, we're going way more than that. So buckle up. We're about to have some fun. I know you're probably going to be catching this podcast later on in the week. and But, I mean, as I'm recording, history's happening in Oklahoma. Uh, and that is Brent Venables. He's on the ground in Norman. Uh, high-fiving fans, waiting for him there on the tarmac. And uh, a new era of Oklahoma football has begun. Now, for the current era, under Bob Stoops as interim head coach, Sooners selected to play the Oregon Ducks in the Alamo Bowl on December 29th. That game will kick off at 8.15 p.m. Central Time. The Sooners 10-2 uh, on the season, Oregon 10-3 and three on the season. You know, we are talking about just a minute ago about disappointment and how it just kind of comes up and bites you during the college football season. How about Oregon? I mean, this is a team that went from being uh, – you know they they beat Ohio State earlier in the season. They 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 achieved more than Oklahoma did in terms of making it higher in the college football playoff rankings. But they find themselves suddenly a four point underdog to an Oklahoma team that doesn't have a head coach and has already had people leave through the transfer portal. Oregon's a four point underdog. To the Sooners on the early line, the over/under on that is 63 points. Uh, look, we're going to break this game down uh, quite a bit uh, over the next two and a half weeks leading up to it, but r- just real quick, some interesting stats here. Over the last five games, both teams are three and two. Oregon's two losses uh, to both were to Utah. A regular season, they lost 38 to seven, and then the conference championship game, 38 to 10. Of course, we know Oklahoma's two losses to number thirteen Baylor, number seven, Oklahoma State. So they're over the last five, they're pretty equal. Oklahoma has one less loss, but Oregon's played one more game. The difference in this in this game, and, and this is where you're gonna have to kind of watch it and we'll be kind of monitoring it as we lead up for our previews. But the difference in this game, in my opinion, is gonna be on the offensive side of the ball and who Oklahoma still has. I mean we we know Jaden Hazelwood's gone, you know. Spencer Rattler has gone. Of course, the the Caleb Williams becomes the key there and the guys around Caleb Williams. But this is an offense that scores 38.4 points per game for the Sooners going up against an an Oregon offense that scores 31.4. Defensively, these two teams are almost exactly the same. Oregon 25.5 points a game allowed, Oklahoma 25.3 points allowed per game. And the Ducks are very susceptible at the point of attack. You you really get the idea that Oklahoma, particularly up front, that this, this defensive front, if you get Nick Benito, if you get Perry on Winfrey, if you get those guys to contribute and play in the bowl game. This is where this game is going to be won for Oklahoma, in my opinion. This is the reason why the Sooners are a four-point favorite, uh, having not even reached their conference championship game. It's because of what they're able to do up front. What the potential there is. Another interesting note here on this game is is the coaching situation where you you know, absolutely, Bob Stoops, he's in an interim capacity. By the way, kudos to Bob Stoops for not even taking a salary as he's doing this interim capacity for Oklahoma, he he turned down the, the pay that comes with being the interim head coach. Uh, you you should never again, if you, even if you did previously, I don't know why you would, but you should never question the loyalty and the love that Bob Stoops has for this university. The, I mean, the guy's doing all this stuff for free for this university to give back to the, to the program that made him who he was and, and again, remember Brent Venables is a Bob Stoops guy, but you, you've got Bob Stoops who's there in the interim capacity and you've got Mario Cristobal for Oregon who is the front runner, it seems like, to jump over to Miami and become the new head coach for the Miami Hurricanes. There's a chance, you know, this December, December 5th is when we're recording this, December 29th is when that game is going to happen. So you've got 24 days. There's a chance that 24 days from now, Mario Cristobal is not even with this team when they come to San Antonio, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know what that's going to look like, but it's definitely something that you want to keep an eye on. As far as Brent Venables goes, I mean, let, let's jump into this now. We'll just, we'll, we'll move here. We'll have a little bit of basketball talk at the end. Uh, but I mean, it's the right time. He's the right guy at the right time for the university of Oklahoma. And and one of the knocks against Brent Venables is, is that he's 50 years old. But that's young. I mean, look, I, I'm, you're, you're, I'm a guy who's in his late 40s. So to me, 50 years is pretty young, right? But he's 50 years old. He's He's been an assistant coach for over 25 years, and he's turned down opportunity after opportunity. And, and you look at some of the guys. Look at Mike Stoops. You know, Mike Stoops had the chance to go to Arizona. He jumped on it. That didn't work. And Mike Stoops has pretty much designated the rest of his career, it seems like, as being an assistant somewhere or a head coach at a smaller FCS-type school. I think, I think the, the days of, of Mike Stoops being the man at the helm of a program like the University of Oklahoma, like in Alabama, like in Georgia, you know, like even in Arizona-type school, I, I think that ship has sailed because he jumped too early. Brent Venables played this out. Right. He turned down programs. He turned down opportunities until the perfect time happened. And that's why he's here. That's why he's at OU. And when you talk about resume, you talk about qualifications. Yeah. There were some great names out there. I know Luke Fickle was one of the popular names and, and I, and I'm all on board. I'm all, I, I'm on board with these popular names. And, and, and we even had an article up. If it's not Brent Venables, then then who's it going to be? And we really centered a- around three guys. Dan Lanning was one of them. Luke Fickle was one of them. And, and then Brent Venables was one of them. But when you compare the resumes, it's a no-brainer. It's, it's an absolute no-brainer that Brent Venables was the right hire. You guys, one he, he's been in 15... Think about this. 15 conference championship games. This man has coached in 15 conference championship games. He's got a 13 and 2 record in those games. Just at OU at OU alone, he he won 8 Big 12 titles at Oklahoma. He was a part of a national championship coaching staff in in 2000. And here's why I think he was right for the time. Because this is this is an interesting thought here. Because this, this is the first actual coaching search that's had to take place at the University of Oklahoma since 1999. So there are are a lot of Oklahoma football fans out there who don't even remember what it's like for this program to go through a coaching search. Because when you had that transition between Bob Stoops, right, Lincoln Riley, that was just a smooth thing. Bob said, I'm stepping out, Lincoln's stepping in, and, and this is a done deal. There was no coaching search there. That was a passing of the torch. So you, you got to go back to 1999. And the reason Oklahoma had to fire uh, hire a coach in 1999 is because they fired John Blake. And when you fire a coach because they're doing bad, and, and that was a lot of people don't really, because you, you weren't alive when this happened, you don't remember how bad the 90s were. They were terrible. I mean, Oklahoma fans in the 90s, if you, if you sat in that stadium during the 90s and you watched them lose to the Cal Bears and you watched them lose to Kansas State and you watched, I mean, you just watched them lose to Kansas. You watched the Big 12 and non-conference opponents run over Oklahoma. I remember Louisville coming in and beating Oklahoma. If you sat through that, you deserve a special medal because there's a, there's a whole generation Actually, there's two generations of football fans for this program that don't remember those days. They don't understand what a coaching search is about. And, and here's why Brent Venables was a good hire and a good fit. Number one, he knows the program. He knows the storied history. He knows the tradition. He knows the foundation that was laid. He will appreciate what this program is, and he understands what, not only what it can be, he understands what it should be. And when you, you, you don't have to fire a coach. You're looking for a new coach because your coach left. And that's, that's a situation that none of us were alive for you got to go back to the 40s, the last time Oklahoma had a football coach leave for another p- a college program. So none of us were around during that time. But it's, it's not like you've got to go through the staff and say, well, we lost this coach because he was bad. And because he was bad, this position coach is bad, and this strength coach is bad, and this guy is bad. Look, the strength coach is gone. Be me is gone. Offensive coordinator, gone. Defensive coordinator, gone. Those guys left, but the guys that remained on staff are guys that are not only loyal to this program because they're alumni, or they are Bob Stoops guys, like Bill Beatenbow, he's a Bob Stoops guy. Joe John Finley, he's an alumni. Kel Gundy, an alumni, DeMarco Murray, an alumni. You you get Brian Odom, an alumni. You you get what I'm saying. Brent Venables will keep that staff together. He'll keep that nucleus together because they were a staff of a successful program. And I I know, I know 10 and two, we already talked about it. 10 and two is a disappointing season at Oklahoma. I get that, but you don't fire the staff over 10 and two. You, You don't, you don't cut your losses at 10 and two, 10 and two. You're doing something right. I mean, you're, you're a fumbled, you're a muffed punt away from the Big 12 championship game. And then all those possibilities, the way this thing shook out, all those possibilities are on the table. So you don't fire a staff for that. Now, if your staff leaves and some guys stay, those guys that stay, because they are successful, they should be rewarded for staying. And, I, and I'm, I'm not saying that they, everybody keeps their job in the way that it is right now. But I think everybody stays on staff that wants to. I think Roy Manning saw the writing on the wall. He's like, yeah, I'm out of here. And that guy's gone. He's not on staff anymore. Because people are like, dude, which side are you on? Are you you recruiting for Oklahoma? Are you recruiting for USC? Are you working for Bob Stoops? Are you working for Lincoln Riley? And I think Roy Manning knew... When, when Brent Venables was hired, being a Bob Stoops guy, being a program guy, being, you know, he, he he's crimson and cream through and through. I think Roy is like, okay, I, I, gotta, I better get out of here. But all those other guys that stayed, I, I'm pretty confident they will have the opportunity to retain a job, that this staff will stay together and be rewarded for the success that they had and the loyalty that they showed. So Brent Venables is the right guy for that position, for that spot right there. Because you bring in a Luke Fickle, who's a head coach at Cincinnati, having his own success in his own right. He's probably got his own guys he's bringing in with him. And then what happens to a Kel Gundy? What happens to a DeMarco Murray? What happens to a Joe John Finley? When you've got a successful guy with successful coaches coming to take over, there's a shakeup there. I don't think there will be a shake-up here. I think one of the first things that Brent Venables is going to do, he's going to meet with his staff either Sunday night or Monday morning. He's like, guys, who wants to be here? And you, I think you can pretty much know, take it to the bank, do whatever. These alumni guys, they want to be there. I mean, gosh, Kel Gundy's been there since the 90s. They want to be there. And so he's going to be, they're going to be rewarded for that. Now, the biggest decision that Brent Venables, the, the biggest thing that happens next for Brent Venables is he's got to get an offensive coordinator. And I, th- I do think it's got to be like a splash type hire offensive coordinator. It's got to be an innovative guy because you start recruiting Caleb Williams right now. You start recruiting Caleb Williams to stay in this program. And, and give Caleb Williams credit because he, he's doing everything the right way. Said he wasn't going to make a rash decision, said he wasn't going to rush into anything, he was going to wait, he was going to play, you know, weigh his options, play the bowl game, see who the new coach is, and then make a decision from there. When you look at the response of the alumni and the players over the Brent Venables hire, it's all positive, particularly the defensive guys. In as much as there's talk, I, I don't know that it's going to happen. We'll see what this month brings. But there's talk that Perry and Winfrey may give it another year. Nick Benito may give it another year so they can have the opportunity to play for Brent Venables. Now, once NFL draft grades come back and Dollar signs start popping up, that, that could all very well change. But at this point, in this moment... All the talk is positive. All the the feedback is positive. All the excitement and enthusiasm is there. But what are you doing on the offensive side of the ball? What's going to be your attraction to keep a talent like Caleb Williams, who's already seen receivers go out the door? Austin Stogner's gone. Jaden Hazelwood's gone. So what do you do now? You got to sit down. You got to meet with Caleb Williams and say, look, Caleb, we haven't, Announced our offensive coordinator yet? Here's who we're looking at. Here's our options. I think you got. If if you don't haven't made a decision, you at least let him think he has a a a way a, a say in that, because that becomes your priority right now. Because remember what we just said in the in the previous segment. The weight is there. The weight is on Brent Venables' shoulders. The expectations of winning a Big 12 championship and competing for a national championship, they're not going away because there was a coaching change. And Caleb Williams is your key to that. That's the biggest thing that he's got to deal with right now in this moment. By the way, there was a lot of talk, and uh, uh, and this was specifically mentioned by Joe Castiglione, that whoever the new head coach is has to like the a the SEC move has to be enthusiastic about the SEC move. I, I think it's interesting that Joe Castiglione specifically mentioned that because of all the talk about the possibility that Lincoln Riley didn't like the SEC move. And I'm I'm not here to get into drama. I'm not here to play sides, but I do think it's interesting. That Joe Castiglione specifically mentioned a week ago when they started the search that the new coach has to be enthusiastic about the SEC. You take take that for what you want it to be, but here's the thing: Brent Venables knows not only is he enthusiastic about the SEC. This guy knows how to beat. He knows how to win in the SEC because he did that as a part of this Clemson staff. All right, your true or false questions are coming up. Here we go. The part of the the podcast that I asked for your help with your true or false questions. Uh, All of these have to do with Brent Venables. And like I said, we typically take about five true or false questions. Sometimes we come up with them on their own. Sometimes we reach out to you guys. This time we reach out to you guys and just let you set the topics. And so without further ado. We're going to just jump right on into this. And again, thank you for everyone who participated, whether you did on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, We've got it. We're going to read it. Um, Probably not going to attach names to all of them because there are so many. But let's jump in here. Number one, true or false, Venables will be coaching the bowl game. That's, I mean, that's an easy one. That's going to be false. I mean, hopefully Venables is out recruiting during the bowl game. Uh, I'm not saying he won't go to San Antonio, uh, but he needs to be focused on recruiting there's uh, trying to hold together the 2022 recruiting class, trying to rebuild the 2023 uh, recruiting class. By the way, Gavin Salchuk, uh, number uh, number one running back from the state of California, uh, has said he's still a part of Oklahoma, going to be coming a part of that class. So – there's good news for Oklahoma on the offensive side of the ball and recruiting. But, no, I, I, this is Bob Stoops' show. I mean, it, Bob Stoops is named the interim head coach. His job was to get him through the bowl game, and I think that's exactly what he's going to do. He'll work on game prep. He'll work on – and and I don't think there's anybody more relieved that Brent Venables is here than Bob Stoops, not because of the game planning uh, and bowl prep, but because now Bob doesn't have to worry about recruiting uh, Bob can probably take Brent Venables and introduce him firsthand to a couple of guys. Uh, but then you're going to see Bob Soups taper off on the recruiting trail and focus more on the X's and O's and getting ready to play Oregon. And, uh, and it'll be Bob on the sidelines of that, in that Alamo bowl against Oregon and Venables will be in the background and you th- And I just, I think that uh, that's where he needs to be. I, I, I at this, I, Curious if you guys have a different opinion on this, but for me, I don't want the Alamo bowl to be a priority to Brent Vendables. I, I, I feel like the Alamo bowl is kind of a back burner type thing where he gets to go and watch and be there and see the team and maybe even do some evaluations moving forward. But as of right now, his chief priority has got to be building his staff, particularly on the offensive side of the ball and recruiting. So there you have it. All right, number two, uh, true or false? Oklahoma should have gone after an established head coach. Now, this—I mean, look, this is with all due respect. This is absolutely false. I think I've—I've I've spent the better part of thirty minutes explaining why Brent Venables was the guy for this job, and and there there's not there wasn't there's not an existing coach out there that was available that had a better resume than what Brent Venables does, particularly in and an affiliation with this program. And, and I know some people don't like to kind of, to take that stay in the family mold or that in the family uh, mindset. But the reality is Brent Venables was the man for this job. And, and think back when's the last time Oklahoma hired an established head coach? Do you know who that was? While you're thinking about it, let, let, me, let me remind you, the last three head coaches that Oklahoma had were coordinators. John Blake, a coordinator. Bob Stoops, a coordinator. Lincoln Riley, a coordinator. And by the way, Lincoln Riley didn't have anywhere near the resume or the excuse, or the uh, sorry, excuse, didn't have anywhere near the, the resume or the cloud or the experience that Brent Venables does. This is a better hire than Lincoln Riley was. But the last established coach that Oklahoma hired to run and guide this football program only made it a year. It was Howard Schnellenberger. So if you look back at the history of this program, there are not—I mean—and there—and there's some fantastic coaches, like like Hall of Fame coaches, like Bob Stoops, Barry Switzer. You know, there there are Hall of Fame, historical figures that are prevalent across the landscape of college football that have guided this program. There's not a lot of established head coaches that have come in and taken it over. Barry Switzer wasn't established. He was a coordinator. Gary Gibbs wasn't established. He was a coordinator. Not that Gary Gibbs is a Hall of Fame guy. I'm just saying, you got to go way, way back to find these guys. And they're few and far between, and they didn't really work out. Schnellenberger is just the most recent you know, example we have of that. And you got to go back to the mid nineties for that. So no, this is false. Oklahoma should not have gone after an established guy. They should have gone after the best guy. And that's what they did with Brent Venables. Um, We've already answered this question. I'm going to read it anyway, because you guys took the time to submit it. But the biggest thing Venables has to do now is get an offensive coordinator. That's absolutely true. It's the first one I'm going to say true to, and it's in as much as he's got to keep Caleb Williams in Norman as well, and that's the key. You know, the, the, the priority, I, I truly believe the priority is Caleb Williams. He's one of the very first guys you call. If he doesn't call him, like, again, I'm recording this on December 5th, he's in Norman now. He just got off a plane. There's a big pep rally going on at the airport. If he doesn't call or text Caleb Williams tonight, that's a mistake. But the key to keeping Caleb Williams is going to be whoever his offensive coordinator is, and so that's why this is true. You got to go after. uh, You got to go after a guy who's innovative. You got to go after a guy who's successful. You have to go after a guy who will do a lot for Caleb Williams. That will stretch. Caleb Williams is a guy who likes to be stretched. He's a Caleb Williams doesn't like to. He's not a guy who likes to be told how good he is. He's a guy who likes to be challenged. He's a guy who likes to have a coach come to him and say, I think you can do this in time. You can be this guy. And and really, that's how Lincoln Riley won Caleb Williams over. Lincoln Riley coached Caleb Williams more than he recruited him. If you go back and you remember he was doing that diary and you go back and you look at that, that recruiting process, Lincoln Riley would, would look at film of Caleb Williams and he'd be like, you know what? If you make these modifications, if you do this, you turn your hips so, so so forth. Lincoln Riley began to coach Caleb Williams when he was still in high school. That's, that's who Caleb Williams is. That's what he likes to be. So this, this new offensive coordinator has to be innovative and as, in as much as they can challenge Caleb Williams. But he also has to have a level of success to him that's it's a big enough game to attract the attention of Caleb Williams and some of the other guys that they would want to come in and and put around him. So that, that leads us into the next true or false question is uh, true or false. Joe Brady will be the offensive coordinator. And h- I mean, how can you answer that? That's I mean, that. Gosh, put me on the spot here. Joe Brady will be the next offensive coordinator. I, I think there's a, <laughs> I think there's a good movement here for Joe Brady. I, I don't think it's coincidence that Joe Brady um, is gone from the NFL now and suddenly available. Um, but there, there's two things here. The first thing is this: Joe Brady is on record saying he's not a big fan of recruiting. He he doesn't really like the recruiting process. Now, the good news is he's already got a quarterback in Caleb Williams who has superstar potential. So there's not a lot of recruiting he has to do as far as looking for superstar guys. There, there There's guys like Mario Williams in that receiving core. You got Marcus Major. You got—I'm talking about for the future, not, not necessarily this bowl game. I'm talking about guys that will— be there for the for the long run, you know, Eric Gray, Marcus Major, Kennedy Brooks, if he's smart, he takes his NFL dollars and a year from now he's he's playing somewhere and earning a paycheck. But but the point is there's not a lot that Joe Brady would immediately have to do to build this team the way they did it in Baton Rouge when he was a part of that staff. But he doesn't like recruiting. Now, all that said, Joe Brady definitely checks all of the boxes in terms of what the offensive coordinator would look like that would keep a guy like Caleb Williams and would intrigue recruits to come play in that system. That LSU team was possibly the greatest college football team of all time. And Joe Brady was the mastermind behind that Joe Burrow offense. Will he be the next head coach, uh, the next offensive coordinator at Oklahoma? (laughs) He's available. He checks all the boxes. He's less toxic than some of the other options out there. So as of right now, let's go with a true. Because I I think that would be a splash. So let's go with a true, and and let's just see what happens here. All right. um, Number five, True or false, the defense is better when Brent Venables was here. I'm, I'm assuming this means when Brent Venables was the defensive coordinator, they they were better. And and now you got to be careful because this is a slippery slope, because then you you get into expectations and and so forth. And we've already talked about all those expectations. And what we don't know at this point is how much will Brent Venables actually be involved in the defensive scheming and play calling. But the answer to that is true and false. Because Brent Venables was a part of some really terrific defenses. Think back to the Tommy Harris defense, the two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand and four. Uh I, I think the two thousand and nine team was a fantastic defense. Um It was really wasted. Uh, That defense was wasted because of the injury to Sam Bradford, Jermaine Gresham. The offense took a step back that year, and that was a national championship caliber defense that was wasted due to offensive injuries back in 2009. And, And certainly, Brent Venables had a lot to do with that. Uh, but there were also some struggle bus defenses that that were mixed in there. And, and the thing is, I think overall, yeah, the defensive play across the board was really good when Venables was here. I mean, they won a national championship in 2000. And, and a lot of people don't remember how good that Florida state offense was in 2000. That was a, a groundbreaking offense. That was innovative. You've got a 40 year old quarterback, just joking, but you know, you've got a very mature quarterback and, and Chris Winkie you, you've you got running backs. Yeah. I mean, but Oklahoma shut that offense down. They just shut it down. And, and the, the, the reality is is that that was a, fantastic defense that was kind of a ragtag group of guys that were holdovers from John Blake, new recruits and they meshed together and they gelled for a purpose and they won that 2000 national championship really based off of this defense. So yeah, I think the defense was better under Venables, but that doesn't also uh, exclude the fact that there were some lean years uh, when you got guys graduating out and you're bringing younger guys up. Uh, It was, it was a little bit of a roller coaster ride, but across the board, You go into those those Mike Stoops years uh, and, you know, he got really bad, really, really bad uh, recently before Alex Grinch came in and began the process of turning this defense around. So we're going to go with true on that one. Uh, Here we go. I got about five more and then that'll wrap up the podcast. Uh, Well, we got to talk basketball, but here we go. Venables, true or false, Venables will bring long-term stability that we thought Riley would bring. I, I do. I think this is true. And I think Venable's has already um, already said as much. If you look at his statement uh, that he made on Sunday night, he, I'm I'm trying. I I don't want to. I don't have it right here in front of me, and I certainly don't want to misquote him. But he specifically, if you can go on Twitter or go on the internet and find Brent Venable's statement, he specifically mentioned. A decade, I mean, a time frame that he uh, to be here and to be a part of this program and to build something and to move forward over the next decade plus. So, yeah, I I think he, I don't think this is a stepping stone type moment for Brent Venables. I I don't think this is a, a bridge to go back and replace Dabo Sweeney at some point. This isn't a bridge to get to the NFL. This is home. This is where, this is where I believe. Uh, Brent Venables wants to spend the remainder of his career, and so because of that, this is absolutely true. He, he, he's gonna bring, uh, he, he's going to bring he's going to bring stability. He he's going to bring everything that we thought Lincoln Riley was going to bring, and and it's also there. There are advantages to having younger guys, and then there are advantages to having older guys, and and when you, when you look at when you look at the younger guys, they they're ambitious, and and I I'm not I'm not saying to squelch the frustration and hate and anger and resentment for Lincoln Riley. I'm not saying any of that, but there's there's ambition there. This is this this job landing in Norman. This is Brent Venables' ambition, and so. Uh, yeah, this is this is again the right time, the right moment, the right call, the right hire. Will he bring will he bring stability? I I don't think there's a reason to think that this guy won't succeed. So yeah, that answer is true. Uh right, here we go. Next one um Brand. Oh wow! Here, this is bringing out a a blast from the past as far as names. Brandon Hall will be brought back as defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator. Um, I really thought that we would get into more offensive coordinator talk with these questions. By the way, I'm doing my best to try to keep them like we typically do it in our format, where I don't have time to um really prepare for these. So you get what you're getting is kind of my my raw initial thought here and a lot of people don't know the name brandon hall and so kudos to you this is from caleb uh kudos to you for for that brandon hall is the defensive coordinator uh, also coaches in the in the secondary i want to say it's, it could be cornerbacks but i want to say it's it's safeties for the troy trojans and um, and i mean guy's been around for a while he's a, a oklahoma native a tuttle our newcastle somewhere out in that area was a member of this of the Oklahoma staff in the early 2000s uh was a I mean you're testing my you're testing my memory here was a either a graduate assistant or an a young assistant on the uh on the 2000 national championship team but he's been around. He's an Oklahoma guy. He coached the high school ranks in Oklahoma. He coached at UCO uh, and has worked his way up into the college ranks. And he's defensive coordinator at Troy. Um, I I don't think I, I don't think he would be a waste of a phone call if you went after him. And and he may be a guy that's impressionable enough because of his the relationship he's, he he will have had with Brent Venables. I just don't know that he's the guy, right? And I don't think, I don't know that he's the guy that's going to be at the top of the list for Brent Venables. And, and that's a question that I I don't know. That's, 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 that's a, that's a great question. And I'm going to say it's false at this point because I, I, this isn't a slide towards Brandon Hall. Um, and, and you want, you know, Again, you're all about family, right? When you guys have played for the program and coached for the program or part of this program and it's history, you you want them to have a chance, have an opportunity. I just think there might be some bigger names out there that Brent might call before he goes after this guy. So at this point, I'm going to have to say that's false. Uh, here we go. Next question. Um, oh, this is a good one. This is a loaded question. Soon, the Sooners defense will see major improvement in, in Venable's first season. Um, Again, how do you answer this? Can you tell me what, what starting 11 is going to be on the field? Is Perry Winfrey going to be available to this team next season? I, at this point, I don't think he is. Is Nick Benito going to be available? At this point, I don't think he is. Now, they, they could pull some Sooner Magic and get those guys to come back. And if that's the case, then the answer is yes. Are you going to have DeLarion Turner yell next year? No. So there, there's going to be some, regardless of who the defensive coordinator is or was or is going to be, I mean, even if it was Alex Grinch staying here, you're, you're going to have some holes to fill in this defense and you're going to have some question marks. I don't, there's there's so much to unpack in this question because what we've seen out of this defense since the departure of Mike Stoops and the arrival of Alex Grinch, what did we see? We saw continual improvement. I mean, every year they got better under Alex Grinch. Now, Alex Grinch is gone. Brent Venables is here. He's going to bring in, I, I assume he's going to bring a defensive coordinator. You, I think you're going to have Odom that's going to be a part of this staff. I, I mean, but there's so many question marks here. I don't know if if everything if nothing changed and Lincoln Riley's still here I think I would have a hard time saying that this defense will be better in 2022 than they were than they were in 2021 I think I would have a hard time with that because this has been a good defense when they're healthy and they're all out on the field together, this has been a good defense. The struggles have come when Delaney Turner Yells not available. The struggles have come when when Jalen Redmond's not available. You know, you got all these guys, these moving parts with injuries. This is this defense has hit the injury bug. But the defense and special teams scored all the points in the second half of Bedlam, right? Defense scored against Iowa State. The game-winning touchdowns, when it turns out to be. This is a good defense that Oklahoma has right now. And and banking that just because Brent Venables shows up immediately, they they take a step forward, knowing the potential of losing some big, big, big name players. I don't think I can get on board with that. I, I, we go back to expectations. And I think this is one that we might need to squelch back a little bit. So I'm going to say false. Two more here. Um, Brent Venables will call the defense, man. This is a great, this is a great question and, and a great, um, a, a great discussion point. I, I think it's false. And I think Brent's going to follow the Bob Stoops mold. Keep in mind that he's a Bob Stoops disciple. Um, and so I think what he's going to do is he's going to come in and get a defensive coordinator. I I think he's going to have a say and the defensive game planning and scheming because that's where he will benefit this team on that specific side of the ball. But I think at the end of the day, he's going to do like Bob Stoops did, and he's going to trust his defensive coordinators to make the right call. And so I I, I think this is going to be a false because I see Brent Venables being a guy who's going to, when the defense is on the field, if he needs to talk to offensive coaches, he wants to be able to go and talk to offensive coaches. And if you're calling the defense, then you can't go talk to offensive coaches. So I'm going to say false. I, I think I think Brent it does exactly what Bob Stoops did with him. Bob Stoops was a defensive coordinator at the University of Florida. He knew Brent Venables. He knew Mike Stoops, obviously his brother. He brings them in. He gives his say, he helps out with the game planning, and then on game day, he turns it over to his coordinators. I, I think that's exactly what Brent's going to do. All right, last one. Um, wow. Okay, um, so Levy, the Levy hire could face backlash from the Baylor scandal. Uh, well, first of all, uh, keep in mind that we don't know if levy has been hired or if he will be hired. Now, this is one of the this is one of the hot rumors that's going on, is that that Levy is a guy that Oklahoma is going to go after, particularly Brent Venables is going to bring in to be the offensive coordinator. If you're wondering well, how do I know that name, well, there's there's several ways you could know the name. Um some of them are good, and some of them are bad. Um, he's the offensive coordinator for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. And you look at what Ole Miss did with Matt Corral, and and Jeff Levy had a lot to do with that. And And there's a lot of success there. Uh, Again, we talk about, um, you know, just that coach that makes a splash, that has the track record, has the clout, has all those things that that you want to see as an offensive coordinator. Uh, Let me check those boxes. But there's also a scandal there at Baylor. There's also a scandal. A lot of people don't realize this uh, or remember this. There's a scandal at Oklahoma. I mean, when he was coaching for Baylor, he – Quote: I'm using air quotes. Snuck into an Oklahoma Tulsa game, uh, under the guys that he was going to kind of go because he used to coach for Tulsa before going to Baylor, and he was he was there encouraging his Tulsa buddies because he was in town for a wedding. The Bears were off, and he was in town for a wedding, so he wanted to go say hi to his guys at Tulsa and he was on the sideline for a while until he was actually identified and removed from the stadium. And then he was sanctioned by the big 12 for, for being there and suspended. You got that. And then you got the whole big Baylor scandal in general. And the guy is Art Briles' son-in-law. So right or wrong, he stood up for art Briles. He was named, uh, on those complaints as a guy who didn't pass along the the uh the complaints of of these victims he says he did now this is i mean look it is what it is okay at the end of the day Jeff Lebby wasn't implicated in anything in as much as he was found guilty was he a part of a of a staff that did some shady stuff yes but that doesn't mean he's guilty of shady stuff himself. And if the NCAA found, I mean, the guy's coaching, right? He he didn't get suspended from the NCAA. He didn't get expelled from the NCAA. If he, if he was found innocent, he didn't face any criminal. He didn't face any civil. He didn't face any institutional punishments. I'm not for sure that's something that should be held over his head if he is the guy that Oklahoma hires. I mean, he's working out great at Ole Miss, they're breaking records, but I mean this guy's going to come with some baggage, and so I don't. I look. It, it the answer to this question is true. If you hire Jeff Lebby, there there will be backlash. Because our culture, man, forgive me for going down this road, but it, it, is, it is what it is. Our culture has lost the innocent until proven guilty. It's, you, if you were accused, you're guilty. You, you see that throughout our culture. You want to apply it to sports, you can apply it to sports. You want to apply it to society, you apply it to society. You want to apply it to politics, you apply it to politics. But we have lost the innocent until proven guilty. It's now you are guilty of what you're accused of. So yeah, there's going to be some backlash there. And if I'm wrong, if if Lebby was found guilty of something and I don't remember it, hit me up. Hey, Matt, hit me up on Twitter. At Sports on Twitter. Hey, Matt, yeah, look, actually, Lebby was guilty of this. Don't send me something about what he was accused of. Show me what he was found guilty of. And I'll change my tune on this. I'll happily change it. Because if he was guilty of what he... of 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 being a, an active part of that scandal. Then I, I'm going to jump on board and say, this guy doesn't need to be here. But I, I think if, if Joe Castiglione signs off on it, Brent Venables wants it. And this guy shows up just what we know from, from this institution, the university of Oklahoma, the vetting was properly done. And and there's nothing you can, I mean, look, take the guy, let him be, let him, why not? Why throw away opportunity over, over an accusation? If that's what we're going to do, then Rodney Anderson should have never come back to this program. Just throwing that out there. If all accusations are true, Rodney Anderson should have never been a part of this program. That's a great one to end on though, man. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for the true or false questions. Let's talk a little bit about uh, basketball, big 12 championship and football, and we'll cut out of here for the sooner nation podcast. I think I would be remiss if I didn't say congratulations to the Baylor bears for winning the 2021 big 12 championship. Um, Look, I've been uh, touting Mike Gundy as the big 12 coach of the year for the last probably third uh, maybe fourth of, of the season and and I think you know look Gundy did a great job Cowboys finished eight and one in big 12 play 11 and two overall uh, on the season um, but clearly Dave Aranda is the big 12 coach of the year and to see this team with a backup quarterback get shut out in the second half and yet still hold on to beat Oklahoma State 21 to 16 in Arlington. First of all, it was a great game. I, um I forgot what it's like to watch that game and not have a rooting interest. Um it it was a great game. It was a fantastic uh drama filled game. But I think also it showed it showed how hard it is to win the Big 12 championship. I think a lot of people, including Oklahoma State, I think a lot of people thought um, well you know, this, when when OSU won Bedlam, they won the Big Twelve. Not the case. Not the case at all. And and I I think you you look at that and you see this this conference championship thing. It's it's pretty hard. And I think it, what it what I guess what I'm trying to say is at the end of the day, it just highlights how spectacular that six year run was. For Oklahoma and and you, as a fan, I know again, all the way circling back to the beginning, living in disappointment of not being there, but I, I think we should be even more appreciative, seeing how difficult it is, even as the favorite, to come in and to win that game and and i I know not all six of those games of those championships were won because of a conference championship game, but still, I I don't know that we'll ever see, particularly with the move to the SEC, I don't know we'll ever see the University of Oklahoma string together a run like that of conference championships. So it, it should be, absolutely should be appreciated even more, I think, than, than what it was uh, maybe even a week ago when the Sooners lost Bedlam. Be- because of the Big 12 championship game, um, Baylor gets that, Sugar Bowl berth, they're going to play against Ole Miss uh, in the Sugar Bowl. Oklahoma State actually gets a, a, a New Year's Six Bowl berth. Uh, they're going to face up against Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. And so that changes the way that the bowl, rank, uh, the bowl selection shakes out for the rest of the Big 12. Oklahoma State going to the Alamo Bowl actually is the second-place bowl for the Big 12. But because Baylor's in that first-place game, and Oklahoma State got invited to the Fiesta Bowl. That moves Oklahoma up to that second place game. So, uh, just in case you didn't know this, here's how the here's how the uh, the Big Twelve bowl slate works out. Tuesday, December twenty eighth, Mississippi State will play against Texas Tech in the Liberty Bowl. Right now, early line Mississippi State is a nine point favorite. Also, that, that day, uh, West Virginia will play Minnesota in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl out in Phoenix, Arizona. On the 29th of December, you're going to have Oklahoma and Oregon in the Alamo Bowl. And you're also going to have Iowa State play Clemson in the Cheez-It Bowl out in Orlando, Florida. Uh, Clemson, a one-point favorite uh, in that game uh, early line. And... And that's the game that, truthfully, Oklahoma should have been in had Oklahoma State not not got invited to go to the Fiesta Bowl on January 1st. So you'll have the Fiesta Bowl and you'll have the Sugar Bowl on January 1st. And then January 4th. Uh, you'll have uh, the Big 12 wrap up its bowl season uh, with uh, Kansas State hosting, or not hosting, but Kansas State playing uh, LSU in Houston at the Texas Bowl. So there you, there you have it uh, with the Big 12 teams represented in the bowl season. Uh, Oklahoma basketball, we talked about this big stretch that the Sooners are going to go on. Huge, huge, huge win over the Florida Gators. Uh, It was the first win over a ranked opponent uh, for Porter Mosier as the head coach of the Sooners. uh, Florida number 14. Of course, we're recording this before the next set of rankings come out. If Oklahoma's not in the top 25, um, they're going to be knocking on the door. The Sooners will host uh, the Butler Bulldogs on uh, On Tuesday night uh, in Norman, before getting ready to host Arkansas, and then you got UTA, Alcorn State, and then on January first they start Big Twelve play with the Kansas State Wildcats coming to Norman. So we talked about this this stretch of six home games, and and I I I said you know three and three would be probably uh, the the margin. Uh, That you'd want to come out with that. That's the worst case scenario. uh, You know, four and two, five and one would be uh, spectacular. I think. I think now that you've beaten a top a top twenty five team in Florida. You got to come out of this thing, I I think, six, you know, four and two, five and one as the worst case scenario at this point as you get ready for Big 12 play. All right, that's going to wrap it up. You can find us every day on the Internet, heartland-sports.com. You can hit up your thoughts, comments, suggestions, uh, true or false questions for the Sooner Nation podcast. You can do that uh, through the website. Uh, You can do that on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Uh, We'd love to hear back from you and uh, enjoy the Brent Venable celebration, everybody. We'll talk more about it later on. Come on, bloomers sooner.